Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. In this week's Tactical Tuesday, I am once again joined by my student, John. John, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing well, Brad. How are you? I'm doing very well. Excited to break down a couple of hands for the listener. And these hands, I don't know that they have very much in common other than they're interesting hands. We posted a thread in Greatness Village trying to get some hands for Tactical Tuesday, and we ended up choosing one of the hands that were in the thread and another hand that is in the private current students thread. That's the that's a channel that I only allow my current students to post hand histories in, and basically they get priority as it relates to my energy, my time, just in a general Slack university thread. I will respond some, but have a lot of pools on my time. So I try to try to give priority to the folks that are, you know, actively paying me every single week for coaching. I think that makes sense. And, you know, some of those guys are also playing a little bit bigger stakes. And so that makes for more fun tactical Tuesday hands, in my opinion. So with all of that said, let's look at this first hand. This is actually a hand that Coach Thomas played. At 500, no limit on ignition. John, you want to break down the action for the listener? Sure. So this hand starts with Coach Thomas in the big blind facing a button open. Uh, the button opens two and a half X. Coach Thomas has 10 eight offsuit, 10 of clubs, eight of diamonds, and defends the big blind. We don't have any info on whether the button is like a strong player, a reg, or a fish. I think we can assume, though, that um, just go and make a make the assumption that um, 100 BB stack on the button at, at 500 NL is, is more likely to be a reg than a fish. I would say that that's absolutely the case. Again, we have very limited information as it relates to this hand because Terminator Thomas just dropped the, dropped the hand history in the thread <laughs> without giving very much info. But 10-8 off, a pure defend out of the big blind when you face a 2.5 button open for you? Yes. Going to be defending 10-8 off. Yeah, all my combos of 10-8 versus a button open. So we see a flop of jack of clubs, 10 of diamonds, 6 of hearts. There's $28 in the pot. So Thomas flops middle pair. Thomas checks. Our opponent bets about $8. What do you think of this situation with our middle pair, John? Seems like a pretty slam dunk, just call spot. I think almost all the flops where I flop middle pair out of position uh, in a single race pot are, are going to be um, uh, just calls for me. And this is no different. What do you think the C betting frequency of the reg we're assuming will be on the button? Um, pretty close to 100%. I think the button is 
especially for this uh, one third sizing, the button is going to be betting pretty close to his entire range on, on this Jack 10, six rainbow flop. So we call the flop C bet on the turn. There's about $46 in the pot. And I'm, by the way, I'm having to ballpark the math in this hand history review because it's all in big blinds. I'm turning the big blinds into dollars. So if you're driving down the road with your calculator out and realize that I make a mathematical error, I don't want any emails about it. <laughs> That's the disclaimer. So the turn is the eight of clubs. And now our fearless hero, Coach Thomas, opts to lead about $18. What do you think of this turn lead with middle two pair? I think this turn lead is really, really cool. Um, it's not something that I am putting into my strategy. Um, currently, it's it's something that like I struggle to play against, for sure. Um, I think my hand and last week's Tactical Tuesday, where I had Queens uh, facing a turn lead in a three-bed plot, um, definitely showed just how uncomfortable I am playing against turn leads. And and I would ex- expect that uh, most regs are also pretty um, uncomfortable playing against turn leads and also are, are, um, are not as good at finding them uh, themselves. So yeah, I think this is a pretty cool spot to, to lead the turn. Um, obviously the turn is really good for our, our exact hand. It, it makes us two pair now. Um, I think this lead is going to be, you know, even more protected than um, this pretty strong hand that we show up with. I think we'll definitely have all the combos of nine, seven for the bottom end of the straight. I think we'll have all the combos of queen nine for the nuts. Um, and I think it's, it's also really easy to start mixing in um, bluffs with um, other, uh, other straight draws that uh, are very easy for us to have given that it's a, uh, button versus big blind situation um so yeah what other straight draws do we have though (laughs) this is a question of the natural bluffs looking at this board it feels a little difficult coming up with some natural bluffs basically need to start turning some like six sevens into bluffs i think yeah i think we could start turning six sevens into bluffs um eight nines that we don't check raise even maybe hands like seven eight yeah I, i don't know i think there are a lot of uh a lot of hands that include the eight and some that don't include the eight that, that we could start turning into bluffs here. If, if, if we did want to play a turn lead strategy to play devil's advocate, I I think you're going to struggle to find so many natural bluffs. I think that this turn lead range is going to be fairly strong uh, just in general, but I guess that's neither here nor there. We'd have to have Thomas on to ask him what his, lower equity turn leads would be. But on this specific board, it's just really hard. You know, there's Jack 10, 8, 6. There's only two gaps, the 9 and the 7. And most of our hands just have pairs. You know, there's King Queen, but we three bet King Queen some preflop. There's Ace Queen, we three bet Ace Queen pure preflop. Ace King, we three bet Ace King pure. So yeah, it's it it feels a little tough to find some natural bluffs, but anyway, it doesn't really matter if our opponent, if our opponent still continues anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, this is an exotic line that I don't think, you know, like you said, they're not going to have a great plan against it anyway, but I would just say that like for strategy and range construction, I don't really know that we have enough bluffs here. It feels likely to me that we're under bluffing, but what do you think of the sizing Thomas chose? He chose 
a little bit more than one third. So again, um, just, I guess I'll start with a disclaimer that I am not at all studied in this spot. So um, I don't have a great idea of what I'm talking about, but from what I've seen, the turn leads are all for this very small sizing, like very close to a third. Um, I think that uh, maybe like that makes sense, especially considering the fact that, um, you know, you said that you think that we're going to be struggling to find bluffs when we lead the turn and in spots where we are going to be uh, heavily weighted towards value and, and not have as many bluffs. I think it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense to, to bet a small size. Yeah. I think those are, I, I guess like the, 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 sh- the long and short of it is that, that I think that if you are going to lead the turn, I, I think that this is a, a perfectly good size to, to do it for. Again, I'm not exactly studied in this spot either because it's, it's a fairly odd situation and, you know, it's a very specific board on this turn. So I, I can't say one way or the other, but I think that you logicking your way through it and, you know, the fact that we are likely to be under bluffing, choosing the smaller size just makes a ton of sense. So with that said, you know, our opponent does call. And so to remind the listener, the board is Jack of clubs, 10 of diamonds, eight of clubs, six of hearts, and the river pairs the jack. Yeah, so definitely not our favorite river. Counterfeits are two pair. Now we're just playing jacks and tens. Um, and our and eights. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, pretty terrible river for our hand. Also for our range, I think. I, I, I think that our, a lot of our hands that are improved to boats on the river are either uh, check-raising the flop or probably playing more of a check call or a check raise strategy on the turn. If we have some sort of uh, Jack X two pair. So Thomas starts out with a check on this river. And I think that's, um, that's almost mandatory. <laughs> yeah. There's $80 in the pot or so there are some hands that we beat, you know, we beat King queen, we beat ace queen, we beat ace King when the Jack pairs on the river, but obviously it's not, not the river of our dreams here. So Thomas does find the check with his now three pair and the villain does a thing that I'm not sure is a thing and bets 26 into this $80 pot. They choose a really small sizing. Tell me about your thoughts on the sizing that villain chose here. I I agree with you, Brad, that this uh, block sizing on the river from the imposition player is definitely strange to see um don't know that he should be doing this with any of his range or or much of his range um what this looks like to me is just a a a marginal to strongish hand that's that's looking to go for some thin value again though I'm, i'm not sure what hands the button could or should be choosing to bet the size with on the river yeah i'm i am not sure it could just be a cheap bluff like it could be a cheap bluff it could be a hand like ace 10 king 10 queen 10 that's now going for a little bit of thin value but effectively what they've done is they've bet one third on the river when they flat the turn they've capped the range so basically they've chosen to make a small bet in a spot where they don't really have full houses 
And that's not a situation that you want to create for yourself on a regular basis. Yeah, I think I would actually say that I think the this size on the river caps the buttons range even more than just flatting the turn does in some way where like I you know it's not completely crazy for the button to find some turn flats with you know hands like jack eight maybe hands like even hands like jack 10 thinking like the small uh the big blind thomas in this case um is going to be leading a lot of straights and has all the straights in his range so maybe you know play uh top two or two pair on the turn carefully and then boat the river but then once they bet this size on the river they should never be showing up with boats I would expect. So, yeah, I, th- I think this riverbed actually kind of strangely caps their range uh, much more than the, the turn flat does. <laughs> yeah, I think they both, the combination of the two just makes it very, very unlikely that they have boats. Like like you said, you know, maybe Thomas is under bluffing this range or maybe just the population and humans in general are under bluffing. So maybe they do find a, just a, a flat with like Jack 10 and Jack 8, yeah. knowing that Jack 10 and Jack 8 can comfortably call the turn and comfortably call most rivers and don't really know what to do if they get bet three bet on the turn. Right. So yeah, maybe, maybe there's a case that could be made that they do call the turn, but when they use this river sizing, like, you know, Jack 10 is just likely sizing way up here to, you know, 12 big blinds, which if my math serves me correctly is about uh, $60 into this $80 pot. Yeah. So Thomas does a thing that I'm not quite sure about Thomas, check raises to a hundred and sixty five dollars yeah john i'm going to ask for your thoughts first so that <laughs> i have something to work off of because i really don't know how to feel about this check raise yeah this is definitely a pretty spicy check raise um I, I think this mainly depends. This check raise mainly depends on what Thomas's interpretation of uh, the block bet from the button is going to be. Um, I think if if Thomas thinks that uh, you know the button is often betting the size with uh, his cheap bluffs and kind of thin value showdown hands, like you mentioned, like King Ten or Ace Ten, um, then I think this check raise is uh, is going to perform much better than 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 flatting. I don't know like what other hands make sense for the button to bet the size. Um, I, you know what? But, Let me help. I yeah. think that actually aces through queens makes some sense too. Now that I think about it, his overpairs make a little bit of sense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the thinner, like the thinner we think that this uh, button is value betting, then uh, the better the check raise gets. And I think like aces, Aces, Kings, Queens is, is certainly much less thin than Ace, Ten, and King, Ten, and I, I don't know how often um, you know Aces through Queens is, is going to fold to this is going to fold to this check race, but it, it certainly would put them in in a pretty uncomfortable situation where you're probably not getting you're probably not expecting to get check raise when you value bet like your Aces, Kings, Queens on this river, and then when you do, it's sort of uh, again, it's like a very uncomfortable situation that most people are probably not used to facing and people could definitely be overfolding in those spots. I, I don't know if that's actually the case, but um, you know, if, if that's what, if that's what Thomas was thinking and, and that's why he check raised the river, I think this check raises is, is um, uh, really cool. And 
I'm going to give Thomas some credit here because this turn lead is a thing that he works into his strategy regularly. And, you know, there's a thing that we talk about in our private coaching together that whenever you're very familiar with a line and you understand kind of how it works and your opponent doesn't, well, that also gives you the ability to understand how villains respond to that line much better than if you didn't really have much information or if you hadn't studied it. So I would say that like Thomas to his credit likely can put together that villain has overpairs here and maybe going for a thin, thinner value bet than we initially suspected. And yeah, I think that the moral of the story for this, this first hand on tactical Tuesday is basically what you said, the, the check raise on the river makes more sense and goes up in value the thinner that your opponent is value betting. So I think that's the the nugget of information that the listener can take away from this hand. And then coming up after the break, we have a hand that one of my private coaching students played in the 200 no limit pool that again, I think is uh, a pretty cool spot. And it's a situation where we get to the river and the question is, do we bluff or do we not bluff? Stay tuned for that hand coming up right after the break. Before boot camp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years, somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site. Kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And pre-flop boot camp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in boot camp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what rangers should look like and what hands should be played and what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I. I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that, that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What was your experience like playing cards post bootcamp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re- really work together even after boot camp was over, it's, it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now. You know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month and your link to join is ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click 
through in the description box of this episode. Welcome back to this episode of Tactical Tuesday. Now we are going to be breaking down a hand in my current student's channel. This hand was played at 200, no limit on ignition. And it starts out with our fearless hero raising under the gun with the ace 10 of hearts to $5. We find two folds and then the button flats our $5 open. The small blind calls and the big blind calls as well. So we take a flop four ways and there is now $20 in the pot. The flop is the king of clubs, nine of hearts, five of hearts. Once again, we have the ace, 10 of hearts. So we flop the nut flush draw four ways. The small blind checks, the big blind checks. And now our hero starts out by betting $6. So they start out by betting about 30% pot. John, we'll start there. Massively multi-way pots like this, um, where we go to the flop four ways. I am going to have very, 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 very few bluffs. I think very strong flush draws, like the exact hand um, our hero has in this situation. Ace-10 of hearts is definitely going to be one of the hands, the first hands that I choose to start bluffing with. Um, because I have very few bluffs, I'm also going to be very be uh, betting a very small size, like our hero chose um, with his... $6 bet into the $20 pot. Um, so I am 100% on board with everything everything this player has done so far. Yeah, I think that theory has caught up to me because for a long time in multi-way pots, I, was, I, I would always size up with my full range. But I think that the way that the way that multi-way pots are now played in modern day poker is that because we're not bluffing as often, we choose a smaller sizing. And I think that that makes makes some sense yeah and i think people react like people just play really tight versus a big bet a big c bet in a multi-way pot like maybe probably too tight um in my opinion versus the size of the bet but like what i found is that when i do pick the large size multi-way i'm usually just uh funneling my opponent's ranges into like very very strong hands like probably top pair minimum like most people are not going to call you know, a six or seven big blind bet um, in this situation with with nine X um, is what I've been finding, even though that's middle pair. I would say that like one of the problems though with multi-way pots and figuring out exactly what we ought to do is, you know, we're four ways here, right? We don't know the profile or the archetype of three of these players because they're all anonymous and we don't have stats in front of us. But typically when you find a flop four ways, it's likely that at least one or two of those players are going to be fish. Yeah, that, that definitely is a competing, yeah. And so, like, because one or two of the players are fish, they will also call inappropriately, and they're inflexible with their continuing, with, with their continuing range, which incentivizes us to size up. So I have mixed feelings. Yeah, that's definitely a really good, important kind of competing point, Um to kind of go against like, Oh, we don't have very many bluffs. So we should bet small. Like in this example, like the button started the hand with 44 big blinds. So we know for a fact that the button is a uh, fish. 
um, unless maybe he lost like a huge pot in the small blind like a second ago. Yeah. But like we, probably, we don't know for a fact, but we're pretty confident. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like you said, we probably should be betting pretty large with our value um, when we have a player like the button in the hand. So yeah, I, I guess I'm not. Now I'm back to being unsure what the what the right size is. <laughs> Basically, I think the long and short of it is multi-way pots are tough. And for me, like if there's a fish involved, I just tend to size up with my value just to exploitatively to make more money when I have stronger hands and they continue with weaker hands. That's a pretty ABC way to, to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our hero bets the $6, the button folds, small blind folds. And now the big blind does continue on the turn, there's $32 in the middle. The turn is the jack of clubs. So let me restate the board one more time. The king of clubs, the jack of clubs, the nine of hearts, and the five of hearts. So hero turns a gut shot to go along with their nut flush draw. The big blind checks. And now our hero bets 228 We'll round it up to $23 because that's my lucky number into $32. What do you think of our hero sizing here when we turn the gut shot? I'm guessing that betting big two thirds plus is going to be the sizing that I use in this situation. I think betting like two thirds or three quarters is uh, perfectly fine. I think one thing that I have seen a lot of, especially at 1K and um, something that I'd be tempted, might be tempted to do on this exact turn card is overbet bluff the turn with our flush draw, nut flush draw and gut shot. I think once the big blind flats the flop, he's going to be severely capped. Um, maybe not so much on this turn, but like at least on the flop. On king nine five two tone, um, when I, once under the gun bets a third, I think that the big blind is going to raise all of his two pairs, all of his sets. Um, so I think that the big blind gets to the turn very, very frequently with one pair, like some sort of King X, obviously a small percentage of the time, the big blind does improve to top two with King Jack or makes a straight with queen 10. Um, but I, I think overwhelmingly the big blind is going to show up, uh, to the turn with like one pair King X or maybe a hand like Jack 10 or Queen Jack that flopped a gut shot and, and has now made a pair and is going to really struggle against like 150% pot on the turn. I agree with you. And I don't want to kind of say my full thoughts because that will kind of spoil the river action, but I agree that it, it it ought to be a big bet and that 150% here on the turn is totally reasonable in my opinion. Like you said, the big blinds likely cap. They don't have many two pairs. They're just going to overfold. We have ace high. We have fair amount of equity, even if they do continue, which I don't think they will often enough, right? Like if we bet pot here, you know, they've got to continue 50% of the time. I find it very, very unlikely they're going to continue 50% of the time. So with all that said, you know, we bet our $23 into 32. The big blind does call that turn bet. And so now we head to a river. The river is the Jack of Diamonds. They're 
in the middle. Our hero has 169 behind. Final reminder, the board, you know, the flop was king of clubs, nine of hearts, five of hearts. The turn was the jack of clubs, and the river is the jack of diamonds. The big blind checks. John, are you giving up, or are you checking behind? Uh, you mean, am I giving up or, bl- or bluffing? Oh, yeah. tough question are you giving up or checking behind are you checking behind or are you going to go for it and barrel off here with the ace of hearts uh betting the two-thirds on the turn which is probably the smallest sizing i would pick for a turn barrel i think i would like to continue bluffing i think had i bet bigger on the turn like had i bet the 150 on the turn i think it's a little bit more reasonable to give up on um on the river but since we've bets relative uh relative to the other sizes that we had available to us on the turn since we picked pretty much the smallest one um i think the big blind is going to get to the river with probably the widest range that the big blind ever gets to the river within the spot versus our flop and turn barrels. Um, so yeah, I think I would definitely go for a bluff on this Jack of diamonds river. I can't imagine not bluffing here. Like you said, you know, I didn't want to say it on the turn. You pretty much took the words out of my mouth that like, if I chose the 150 on the turn, then maybe I don't bluff the river. But if I do choose this sizing on the turn, I am 1 million percent bluffing the river. Like we've got all the boats. We've got all the straights. We don't have, hardly any natural bluffs. I mean, if we're not bluffing the ace of hearts here, what on earth are we bluffing? The hands with less showdown, maybe six, seven of hearts, seven, eight of hearts. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we definitely, yeah, there, there aren't very many other bluffs uh, that we, we have available to us. If we, if we're not going with our flush draws, we just tell such a credible story, like bet, bet, bet in a multi-way pot on the flop. We don't end up on the river with too many, natural bluffs so basically to me this is just a slam dunk you have to bluff the river and it's only a matter of sizing right so like what sizing are you choosing here in this spot probably jam <laughs> i think this is a spot where we want to just we can go like fully polarized with our extremely strong value like our pocket kings or our king jacks um and just jam those hands and then jam our brick flush draws as, as well and just put like King 10 or like King queen into uh, a really, really difficult situation on the river. Yeah. If there's one thing that we've learned from running Pio Sims, it's that it does not love having an intermediate sizing here on the river, something like 66% or 75%. It's pretty much like, yo man up, put all the money in the middle and stop with this baby ass, 75% shit, right? Like it wants typically to go really big. And also it will do some really small bets as well. So like small and really big and nothing in between. And yeah, I just think that like like what you said, you know, we have a ton of value. I, I would also shove with my value here and also shove with our, you know, ace queen, ace 10 of hearts, And I guess some of the combo draws like the six, seven of hearts or seven, eight of hearts that we bet the flop with, but 
we're still like stretching to find too many bluffs. And I would actually say that like I think ace queen of hearts and ace ten of hearts are better bluffs than six seven or seven eight of hearts because um, we block with ace queen and ace ten. We block some of our villains like queen jack jack ten combos, which. I think uh, could definitely find a call on the flop, especially if they have some sort of backer flush draw facing the one third pot C bet. And like they get to the river with trips um, with Jack 10 and Queen Jack. And uh, that's definitely going to be one of the hands that I would expect to call a river jam. And I think having um, blockers to 10 Jack and Queen Jack with our ace queen ace 10 is actually at least worth something. And, and, and maybe that would lead me to want to bluff those hands even more often than I might bluff like the six, seven, seven, eight of hearts hands that have less showdown. Um, not that ace high has any showdown in the, once we get to the river in this manner anyways, I guess. So, um, but yeah, just another reason I would be happy about bluffing the river with ace 10 of hearts. Yeah. And I was up there with you until you said the back doors, we blocked the back doors because the only back door is clubs and the turn is the Jack of clubs. So <laughs> it's hard for Villain to have like, uh, you know, the queen Jack, um, or Jack 10 of clubs because the Jack of clubs is on the board. Right. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> it, it would just have to be like their pure gut shots, you know, the queen yeah. Jack and the Jack 10 offs <laughs> that they continue with. And yeah, maybe they do find a continue with Jack 10 off and queen Jack off. I think it's actually fairly reasonable considering we've got so small in the flop that they, they peel, especially if maybe they do have a heart, right? That's the backdoor flush that they could have is like a jack 10 off with the jack of hearts type hands. But I'm just, all you can eat. I don't actually know. I'm going to leave, you know, we're going to leave the listener here wanting more. I don't know the result of this hand because my opinion was asked and I answered that my answer is just to bluff. And then <laughs> never got a response on what the actual result was in this hand. So maybe we will start up next week's Tactical Tuesday and let you know. Or maybe it's just a, a pretty sad story where we just check back and like our opponent won with King 10 or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah we'll definitely uh, let the listeners know what, what our uh, hero decided to do on the river next week. For sure. And... Yeah, with that said, we'll wrap up this episode of Tactical Tuesday. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't joined the Chasing Poker Greatness VIP newsletter, I would highly suggest you do so. Get access to Greatness Village, our training grounds, which has a bunch of plain explain videos. Also, channels with folks like myself, John, Coach Thomas, and a bunch of other players. We'll catch you next time.